Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us. There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor. This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was. Borden is, is Tim Duncan, but then, yes. you know, James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski. Oh, that's a hot take! I can't wait to rewatch it and to talk to you about that, that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Welcome back to another episode of Butterless Popcorn. Today we are breaking down a coming-of-age sports movie that had its 25th anniversary this year and continues to hold up. And if you haven't seen it, well, you're killing me, Smalls. This is The Sandlot. Adam? An absolute classic, Brett. We'll get into it a bit later, but one of the best sports movies, one of the best baseball movies made of all time, made in 1993, and it holds incredibly well, even watching it now. It's still one of the best movies ever made. I think it's my favorite baseball movie. Uh, we've we've talked about you and I both love sports movies for so many reasons, and we've talked about which sports movies make the best sports movies. And I think we've both agreed that baseball movies are up there at the top for some reason more so than football movies or basketball movies or hockey or anything else. I don't know. Baseball movies have that thing about them that they just really in. You know what I mean? It's really hard to describe. Yeah, I'm kind of with you too. It's like there's some kind of like extra spirit or something around these things. There's always like, you know, like a hard fought battle to get either recognition or get to the top or there's there's some kind of adversity in the, in the baseball movies. I don't I don't know. I can't I can't quite put my finger on it either, but when I look through the top let's say five sports movies probably four of them for me are, are all baseball yeah and it's kind of interesting because i you know i baseball is not my preferred sport to watch by any means but when it comes to the movies i mean the sandlot major league the natural like all of these are some of my favorite sports movies more so than you know let's say a, a glory road which is you know basketball is my favorite sport to watch but like the, the, the baseball movies really take the cake for me. This one is super special, too. There's a level of relatability in this one that I think, you know, Rookie of the Year is another one that I love. Oh, that's, baby. that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you're not going to fall on your arm and then get some crazy kink in there that you start right. throwing triple digits. But this is just a bunch of kids. Like when you really boil it down, it's a bunch of kids just playing baseball. Yeah, it's so nostalgic, and it brings you back to a time when you didn't really have any concerns in life, that your biggest problem was, you know, I got to finish dinner soon enough so I can get out and play ball with the friends. So it's it really takes you back to being a kid. And obviously, the setting of this movie is the early 1960s, which we were not around yet, but um, it just, I don't know, makes it feel so nostalgic when you watch it and it's a time that you miss even if you you know weren't there in that specific period but just makes you miss being a kid 
kind of got that stand by me type of feel to oh, it too. You know, God. I know that's one of your favorites as well. It's one of my all time favorites. Yes. But it's, um, it's just a bunch of kids and, um, it, you know, it's those summer feels, right? Like it's just, it, it's so easy to watch and it, it makes you want to just drop everything you're doing and go back to a time like that. And I know we were talking as if, you know, we were around then and so those were the good <laughs> old days, Brett, but, but, you know, we all had our own good old days and whatever you want to call them and. This is such a feel-good movie because it represents all of that in in a short period of time. It it really does. So, The Sandlot '93 was written, directed, and narrated by David Mikey Evans, uh, and he doesn't have a huge list of really famous films. Shortly before The Sandlot, he did Radio Flyer, which I've actually seen. It's with Elijah Wood, and ironically, someone who was just in the last podcast we recorded. Uh, Joseph Mazzello, uh, who is in the social network. And it's a, that's about like, it's actually pretty intense to watch. It's about a, an abusive family. Um, but that movie's solid. And then he also did first kid. Did you ever see first kid with Sinbad? No, I didn't. Oh man. It's, it's one of those horrible movies that you, you really love watching. It's about a kid whose dad is the president and the kid gets bullied and stuff, but it's a comedy. So nice. That's right um, up my alley. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, but The Sandlot, I, you know, needless to say, was the high point of David Mikey Evans' career. It was so good that there were even two sequels that spawned off of it, both which were both of which were direct to DVD releases. Uh, oh, I think I saw this. I think I saw the first sequel. I didn't even know there was a a second sequel. No, I didn't. Afterwards, either. but uh, obviously, neither sequel is worth watching. But this first film is is a classic. I thought about praying, playing a little prank on you and acting as if we were going to talk about the second one right now. <laughs> <laughs> just start going into like, oh yeah, no, it's a, here's the cast and just going over to like how shitty that movie was. But no, this no, uh, I think that was a little bit of a money grab, probably. But uh, I mean, he made bank off of it. The Sandlot was obviously hugely successful and. The way the script came to fruition is actually a silly story. Um, Davy Mikey Evans said that when he and his brother were kids, they wanted to play baseball with the neighborhood crew so bad, but those kids were actually pretty mean and they bullied them. And there was, um, you know, a common myth throughout the town that beyond the fence of the baseball field, there was actually a vicious dog named Hercules. So no one ever wanted to go over the fence and one day, uh, he his brother went to try to play with them, and they hit a ball over the fence. And they were like, if you can go get the ball, you can come play with us. And apparently the dog, like, ripped his leg apart, like, to oh. shreds, like, horrible. So years, years later, fast forward, Davy Mikey Evans, he wrote Radio Flyer, and he needed a new movie to come out, and he wasn't quite sure what to do. And he said... He was just driving on the freeway one day, needed a small film with a limited number of characters, a limited number of locations, and a simple, clean idea. And all of a sudden, that incident with his brother pops into his head, and he's like, that's it. A bunch of kids during the summer have to get a baseball back from a mean dog. And that's how The Sandlot was born. That's incredible. I mean, we talk about like how what this movie really has and how it's got like you know the whole coming of age. 
and it's so relatable to us and it's just based off such a simple script idea right there by david mikey evans but that's what makes the the good directors you know so good at their job but uh you know i i think whenever a writer has an inspiration like that or can relate to something of their own life it brings like something extra special it's some special sauce really to the movie and it it, it pulls some emotional strings a bit more too which which you can see throughout the film so I, I really do enjoy that part of it yeah it's super nostalgic and relatable and i want to talk about the cast for a second really unique cast because it has some stars but people who were already more more or less established all the the adults in the movie were stars but it's kind of interesting that the kids in this movie none of them really went on to have big careers at all no one ever saw him again no <laughs> no one ever saw him again but it's really interesting because you know in in 1993 hollywood's biggest stars right now a lot of them were, were young kids and could have been in this movie but you're not really seeing any of them like tom geary who plays smalls hasn't done much uh he, and then who, i mean who else mike vitar who plays benny the jet rodriguez like you know, I, nothing. I think he's just like a, a, fi- a fireman, but like nothing regarding acting. No. Uh, I know Patrick Reyna, who played Hamilton Porter. He's probably one of the more well-known faces, but he's by no means a, a famous actor. It's it's kind of interesting that all the kids who are on the team, none of them really went on to big acting careers. That is a good point, especially when, you know, I wonder if it's kind of a time period thing, but you mentioned there was like a number of like, childhood stars if you will but maybe it was just you know the competition of the younger celebrities at the time but that's also what kind of makes this movie special and we'll get into a little bit more with our casting calls and and uh, that segment later on but I think when you bring a star like a well-known established star as a center character in a movie like this it almost takes away from what the movie actually is about. And I think that plays into a little bit about the vision of, of the writing and directing of the movie, but uh, nonetheless, it's, it's impressive to get, you know, quote unquote, some nobodies, if you will, to, to come in here and do such a good job. Yeah, that's a really good point. So some, a little goody about filming that I, that I found out was really cool before shooting could even start. um, um, Evans had to make sure that these kids could, could play because after all they're you know filming and playing baseball and uh since if, if they messed up anything on the field during those sequences so let's say you know there are so many sequences where they do like an around the horn right if let's say they messed up a double play or they dropped the balls there that would waste tons of film that they were using they that they were budgeting for the project so after all the kids were casted in their roles after the audition evans had them spend two weeks in a de facto baseball camp where they were taught how to hit, catch, and throw. And he he even hired some guy. Um, his name was Daniel Zaycap, who was just a, a random actor, but he happened to be decent at baseball. He hired him to teach the kids. And then that guy, Zaycap, also appeared in the movie as Squint's grandfather in the, in the flashback scene about the origins of the beast. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, kind of dual roles there. He's both baseball coach and uh, an actor. I wonder if he made a little career transition afterwards into <laughs> at least a little league coach because they did a pretty good job. These guys could help hold their own. 
Yeah. Wait, you didn't hear? That guy's now the hitting coach for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they suck at hitting, so maybe that's Exactly. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before Chris Davis, or after Chris Davis. After oh, Chris God. Davis. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have nothing else left to say. This movie just, you know, it, it came out the year I was born, and it's I've seen it so many times throughout my life from when I was a little kid to now, and I love it. You know, maybe Brett, even more now, just because I understand it now. Well, um, as you're talking about that, like who who hasn't seen this movie? I know it's 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 a rarity if you haven't seen it. Even even people who don't like movies, or just maybe people who aren't movie folks, you know, they don't spend their their free time watching movies. They've seen it. Yeah, I mean, we could go and we'll get through the quotes here too. But this is also one of the most quotable movies, I, I'd say, of all time. There's Ever. A, there are a couple Ever. quotes in here that everybody knows. Yeah. And I feel like even if you haven't seen the movie, there's a chance that you would know that a couple of these quotes are from the Sandlot. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, let's get right into the categories, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Adam. So many great scenes in this movie. Give me some of yours. I could probably pick 50, but I'm going to start and just do three. So first one, this one is my actual winner, but it's the camp out. Uh, nice. when, I, when I think Sandlot, this is always the first scene that comes to mind for me. But this is when Smalls finally really gets warmed up to the, to the group of guys that he's going to become lifelong friends with. Well, maybe not lifelong because some of them uh, <laughs> moved away or they, they never, never saw, saw him, him again. again. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but a summer that he'll never forget. But it's just got everything. It's got uh, Ham. <laughs> this is this is Ham's best scene, in my opinion. It's got Smalls really showing how kind of foreign he really is here. Um, and we'll get to that in a sec, too. But... I think it's just coming together. This is ultimate nostalgia, like you mentioned before, too. So it, it just feels warm and cuddly watching this one. This scene makes me wish that I had a camp out in a treehouse. Yeah, a I know. Like, fuck, we missed out on that time. Absolutely. It's just, it's not this. I mean, it does kind of blow up <laughs> at some point in the it's movie. True, it does. But it's not the safest place to have a camp out but at that time in hey, 1962 fuck it. fuck it you know fuck it oh. but i i love this scene too and the the s'more scene mm-hmm. is it's really funny because you could argue that the s'more moment is the most popular moment of this movie and it's kind of like it's a scene within a scene you know right because the camp out is this has this whole is this has all this stuff going on with squints telling the story of the beast and then you have the s'more moment so it, it you know it all comes into one but yeah the the camp out scene is is really funny and i also one more thing i want to add and i did not notice this really until the last time i watched it and didn't really put the pieces together squints is clearly making up that whole story about the beast <laughs> the whole time like so yeah. he, he said he like he tells it well but there are some moments where he's like it added up to 120 173 guys <laughs> they're like the beast eight it's like maybe i don't know i i hadn't watched this movie all the way through in a long time but 
when I, I saw that, I was like, oh, now it's very obvious. He's clearly making all I this I picked stuff. up the same thing. That was actually one of my trivia questions for you is, uh, is the range of people that, that the beast killed. But yeah, spot on with that. That Just kids being kids really there. But So that's definitely the scene that you know first comes to mind when I think of the Sandlot. The other two I had sure. on here, the next one was the carnival scene. And yes. this is after the victorious game against the Little League and they're got the chewing tobacco on the tilt a world ride and they all throw up. That's that's a classic for me. I not a chew guy myself. Chaw <laughs> myself. Chaw <laughs> Big Chew. I almost forgot. The best. Uh it's really funny because yes. after that they go uh or the narration, they're like we swore off the hard stuff, and we thought we would stick <laughs> to Big League Chew. That's <laughs> so funny. Or does does he say Big League Chew or Bazooka? I think he says Bazooka. Oh, uh, he might, he might, yeah. But they swear off the hard stuff. Either it's way, great. they swear off. They swear off the hard stuff. Well, all of them except for Bertram, I guess. Yeah, well, he probably got into a little bit of got trouble really, down the road. Got, got really into the sixties. <laughs> we'll get into that. But um, that, no, I, I love I love that scene too, and the music is really good and. The camera shots are really good too, because it goes from each kid on that ride, yes, and their faces where they're first like having fun, like "woo, yeah, baby, woo," and then, <laughs> and then one by one, their faces turn red and they look like they're gonna explode, and their cheeks puff out, and it shows them all thrown up. It's it's just a really fun projectile, scene yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's a real and, thing. And <laughs> the last one I have is the ball retrieval scene. So this also takes place in the tree house but there's a number of methods that they try to use to get the ball over the fence back over into the sandlot that's and they use the vacuum they use the airborne attack uh, they use the erector sets it's so you're combining all those into one i'm putting all of them into one yeah okay that's perfect no i love those two what so what would be your favorite method of getting the ball back out of all those I love the uh, erector set, which is, this is the one to me that seems kind of like the most likely. I think the thing that bothered me with both the vacuum and the airborne attack is they, they had the ball. They had the ball and they didn't throw <laughs> know, it over so the frustrating. fence. I know. Like when Yaya was holding it, he could have just chucked it. Yeah. Chuck the ball. I think about that every time. <laughs> but the erector set, they actually catapulted the ball i mean they they did what they set out to do uh the beast just tremendous athleticism (laughs) i know right fuck enter that pup into a doggy contest or something i don't know how he turned into air bud instantly but he got like eight feet of air it was fantastic but no I, i like it too because it combines smalls is like private life really and his like nerdy quirkiness into you know his his friendship and his love for baseball so it kind of all came together for him i forget the exact quote um but when he's like take uh science versus nature yeah that's exactly what it was yeah yeah (laughs) that's really good what what else you got for your best scenes uh that's it so camp out is is my ultimate winner there it's just the, the first and last one i think of when i think of this movie oh nice uh so i got a few uh, the campout was on there. Uh, the fetching the ball sequences were it's actually not on there. But my favorite scene in the movie, and I'll probably bring this up a few times, is the 4th of July night game. Mm. 
that uh, out of all the, out of all those out of all the scenes in the movie like it's definitely not one of the funnier ones you know in terms of the ba- baseball sequences it's not one of the best ones but man when i watched that scene starting from when benny picks up smalls at smalls house and he's like it's a night game let's go and then until the end of the fireworks and then watching the fireworks on the field that more than anything that scene makes me feel like a little kid again it chills yeah you gotta have yeah. chills for that one I, I do, and and having and Ray Charles, America the Beautiful oh in the background is just like, and then, and then when you see every kid's face with the fireworks going, I mean, when you're a little kid, fireworks are one of the coolest things ever. You never want to pass up a time to see fireworks. I just, I don't know. And not for it's Benny awesome. the Jet Rodriguez. For, He's for Benny the Jet. The bases. I know, and then that's kind of Smalls really uh, boasts about Benny. In that scene, especially. I mean, he boasts about Benny like the whole movie. He loves Benny. Where he's just, he lo- loves Benny. But but that scene especially, he's just like, but for Benny, the Jet Rodriguez, baseball was life. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I get the chills. Uh, Benjamin scene, Franklin so. Rodriguez, actually. Oh, so, oh, fuck. That's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're right. For Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez. I love that's his name, but yeah. So that was my favorite scene. But I also had the, uh, the pool scene. When oh, yeah. Squints pretends to drown and fakes fakes drowning, so uh, Wendy Peppercorn, the lifeguard, will do mouth to mouth, and then he kisses her. That's a great scene. Um, one thing I did notice about that one is somehow Wendy Peppercorn, from the scene like prior or like two scenes prior, she's walking down the street, and all of a sudden she's like ready to go on the lifeguard chair. <laughs> it's a very quick transition for her. Very impressive. It was. Yeah, she's she's a stunner. Oh, she is. She's she's a, she's a stunner. I could see why Squints had a crush on her. Um, so that one, and then where else did I have? I had the amusement park, and then finally, uh, Benny versus the Beast. I mean, it, it's classic. It's a long segment, but it's it's the the climax of the movie, where Benny is pickling the Beast. Uh, it's it's really fun. Specifically, I like the very start of it. When Benny first hops over the fence and he has that stare down with the beast and it's got like a Western theme playing in right. the background and the camera zooms in on the beast eyes and then Benny's eyes and then Benny cracks his knuckles and then like and he they just cracked darts. the whip and then he, yeah. he starts. Yeah, running. the whip. Yeah. yeah, that so that too, that's that's iconic for me as well. It turns that one turns into a little bit for me, Ferris Bueller esque. When, little bit, when he's know, running home at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dinner's ready (laughs) yeah that's all of that stuff yeah i i hate to get off topic here but that is such a great scene it's a well-filmed scene in ferris bueller i especially love when he's running he's running home so fast but then he runs through a backyard where there's two attractive (laughs) women lounging and he walks back and he goes hi i'm ferris ferris bueller yeah (laughs) no it does kind of remind me of that scene a little bit i mean not for better or worse doesn't matter but it's just something that popped into my head but amazing scene good call there yeah, really good. So that's a great segue into the car chase scene, which is that chill scene, the one that gets the chills down your spine. I already gave my answer with the 4th of July night game, and I'm sticking to that as my best scene in the movie and my car chase scene. But what's your car chase scene, Adam? It's the one that you just said. It's Benny getting hopping the fence, getting the ball, and, and everything that ensues after that. So, I mean, that's the only one that where I'm like really on the edge of my seat, actually. So Yeah, it's so good. That was the only other one I wrote down for car chase scene as well pretty clear cut there let's uh let's keep things moving then brett so we said earlier that this is probably the most quotable movie 
of all time. I'm sure we've got <laughs> that's the most quotable movie of all time. That's well, that's a bold statement. One of the most quotable movies. Sorry, it might be though. There are a couple quotes in here that are absolute money, but uh, just run through your list here. Let's let's see what you got. Sure, I'll just run through it. Obviously, um, you know we don't need to say "You're killing me, Smalls." is the most famous quote in this movie and it's one of the more famous movie quotes of all time but there are some smaller ones in here that you don't quite you won't know if you're not a not a not a fan so i love um dad i i mean i mean bill that was the first one i had i, I yeah. love it but then there are also there's also another scene where he goes bill i, I mean dad he, d- he just doesn't know how to how to talk to this guy and it's hilarious but it, it's a great touch on to Smalls's character because he's insecure and he's shy and he doesn't really know how to approach anything. Dennis Leary's awesome in that too. Oh my god, Dennis Leary. So I'm saving my Dennis Leary I know, Dennis Leary I stuff. Know. Dennis <laughs> um, so that I, actually next on my list, a great Dennis Leary quote. Sorry. Yeah. Gotta watch gotta watch out gotta watch out for that curve. I couldn't I sorry, I tried to get I, I wanted you to get through the quote, but I <laughs> He's such a dick about He's that. He's an asshole. He's Be- a fuckhead. Because and Smalls' mom doesn't even see it. He he looks at his watch before he gives the curve because he's like, "Fuck, I gotta get back." So he like zings it right into Smalls' face, <laughs> throws a slab of meat on his eye. <laughs> the meat, the meat is so good. I guess, is that what people did in 1962? They didn't have ice packs. I, well, she's like at the peas, and he's just like, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> he just throws their dinner probably on his oh face. My God. <laughs> Sorry. Got to watch out for that curve. Uh, <laughs> that's a great one. I had, um, Oh, the great bambino with ham with the sausage in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, L7 weenie. The kid is an L7 weenie. It's one of more, one of the more famous ones. Um, uh, s'more, the whole s'more monologue is, is, is amazing. First you take the gram, you stick the chocolate on the gram. Then you roast the mallow. And then what does he say? Uh, you put it on the chocolate, then you cover it with the other end. Then you stuff. stuff. That whole monologue is great. Um, forever. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, but I like it. I like it. Uh, another one I like is when they're in the pool and they're all watching Wendy, and then Squints is going, "She don't know what she's doing. She don't know what she's doing." And <laughs> Benny goes, "Yeah, she does. She knows exactly what she's doing. It's pretty good." Um, Smalls's monologue about kissing Wendy at the pool, I think is really good. I mean, Smalls's narration throughout this film is, I mean, Morgan Freeman in the Shawshank Redemption is the best narration I've ever heard, but like, this is, this is up there. Some of the best film narration. Absolutely. It's so good. But that's specifically, um, at that narration when he's talking about when they're leaving the pool and he's like, we got banned from the pool forever that day, but whenever we walked by, the lifeguard always looked down at us, right at squints, and smiled. I love that. And then finally, my last one is, for us, baseball was a game. But for Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, baseball was life. Nice. Uh, you honestly ran through almost my entire list. Like, I mean, there's some of them that are so quotable, but I won't even repeat them. There are a couple other ones that I included that are pretty subtle. But it's some of the really funny creative writing that they have for Squints. So Squints it's after Squints was staring at Wendy Peppercorn, and yeah, yeah, calls him out for it when they when they show up to the Sandlot, uh-huh. and Squints is just like, 
enough. I've got a lot on my mind. <laughs> and it's just like in passing. It's really subtle, but it's just he tries to be adult like. It's really funny. Yeah. Like, like what does a what kind of shit is on Squint's yeah, it's, mind? It's hilarious. <laughs> He's yeah. got nothing to worry about. And then there's another one actually pretty similar and pretty shortly after. But Squints is when he's uh, in the pool, actually, right before the quote that you were mentioning about, you know, knowing exactly what she was doing. He goes, I've swam here every summer of my adult life. <laughs> my adult life. <laughs> what? And then we find Every out- summer, there she is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, how old are they? I don't know, 11 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's good. And then the last one I have is Benny talking about the great Bambino. And he says, some say he was less than a god, but more than a man, like Hercules or something. And that's the first time, and they do allude to it later in the movie, how the great Bambino, Hercules, and the dog is named Hercules. But at the time, I don't think we know that the dog's name is Hercules. I think we just know it as the beast. Mm -hmm. And so... That that's just kind of like a, a, a aha moment for me, for uh, for when Benny says that. Yeah, that's pretty good. That the dog is kind of a, I don't know, kind of a metaphor for Babe Ruth in a way. Yeah, I, I think we'll get into that a little bit later with Mister Myrtle. But um, so I mean, the most one of the most quotable movies. I won't go that far, but thank you, thank you. Uh, You're killing me, Smalls. Takes the cake. Uh, that's that's got to be number one. Yeah, me too. That's the one like you could say it at the office, and someone who hasn't seen the Sandlot is like, "Oh, that's from a from a kids sports movie, right?" Be like, "You bet your ass it is." <laughs> is that how you talk in the office? Yeah. <laughs> you no. bet your sorry ass it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my boss. You don't fucking know that movie. <laughs> you know, that that is that is not how I talk in the office. Um, moving on, Adam. So this movie does have some good camera shots in it and we we like to give an ode to the camera and talk about the best shots so what do you think are some of the best camera shots here this is good there's a lot of good camera work in here so i'll start off with benny being in a pickle and it's not like the pickle the metaphor that that they use throughout the film but in the actual rundown the camera is very low and it shows his pf flyers going back and forth when he's in the pickle. This is like in the very beginning of the movie. And then it shows him stomping on the plate. So the camera just looks directly at the plate and it's focused only on home plate. And then you see his PF flyer, his foot stomp on it. So that's, that's really good. It's, it's, it sets the tone early in the movie too. I think from a camera perspective, is that the one when they're um, at school and they're playing in the schoolyard? They're yes. playing baseball, and then Benny gets caught in the pickle, right? Yes. No. Pickle! Yeah, a, yeah. I love – no, actually, I was going to kind of say something on a similar note. The There are multiple instances where Benny is running the bases, and the camera ang- the camera shots on his footwork yep. are really well done. And in the scene that you were talking about, too, where he hops the fence, uh, especially, they, they cut to that as well. So uh, really well done there. They use, they use the angles – really well in this film i I have a handful of more everyone's sliding when they play the little league team they keep cutting to everyone uh in their jeans (laughs) sliding (laughs) and uh, it's just one after another it's it's really good repetition there 
also when Benny rips off the cover of the ball, they Ooh, that's good. the camera cuts to a bird's eye view and it looks down directly in the center of the camera of the shot is the cover that's that's ripped off and then you've got all of the kids in a circle. Yeah. And then the camera actually shifts down looking up at everyone as it's as if it's in the perspective of the cover of the ball too and so that was really cool too that's really good uh and then two more here smalls's home run and when he when he hits the ball it comes right back to the camera it's like a line drive directly back and it kind of gives you like a little jump in a way it's it's cool and the last one i have here is hercules chasing Benny the Jet, and the camera's actually for a small period of time. I think it's at like the cookout or or whatever it is that outdoor uh, festival. Were they were they run on the table? Yeah, and it's in the first person eyes of Hercules. The camera is for a little bit. It's like they put a GoPro <laughs> on him. Yeah. But that one's incredible too. I if I had to choose one, I think I'll go with the bird's eye view of the the cover being ripped off the ball. And then shifting down, but there's there's too many good ones here. That's great. You you said a lot of mine. Um, I just had a few here. I love when Squints and Yaya get the ball and they see Wendy Peppercorn walking on the street for the first time, because she's walking at them, and then the camera goes into the perspective of Squints looking at her, and she's walking in slow motion, and mm-hmm. it's like her hair her hair That's is flowing flow in. in the wind. And she's walking, and and it, in that moment, she's the most stunning person on earth. You know, so I, I thought that was really good. And it zooms in on Squin's eyes as he puts his glasses yeah, on. He wipes the glasses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really well done. I have uh, at the campout scene when Smalls looks out the window for the beast, when they're like, oh, look down if you don't believe us. And the camera goes once again to the lens of the beast where he creeps out of his little dog house or underneath the house. And then he like runs up to the treehouse mm-hmm. is what you imagine. So again, that camera perspective from the dog is really good. And then, as I said before, the start of the showdown between Benny and the Beast, when it has the Western theme playing, and then it goes to both of their eyes in a in a zoom shot. Uh, and then when Benny sprints towards the middle and he's running towards the camera, you see him coming. So those were all great. And then I also love your your bird's eye view of the ball too, which is really good of the cover being blown off. But if I'm gonna say one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Wendy walking down the street. Nice. I, I think that leads actually very well into our next category, Brett, which is the best use of the soundtrack. And that one right there is one of my nominees. There Goes My Baby by The Drifters starts uh, playing. And do, 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 do. Oh yeah. my God. It's perfect with her walking in slow motion. Like you just mentioned, that's the first time I thought like this soundtrack fucking rocks. It's <laughs> when so that good. Goes on. It's an awesome soundtrack. And then, so I got, I got three other nominations here. The next one is another drifter song, this magic moment. And that's when oh, squints yeah. kisses her and he, so his eyes open up and that he basically, <laughs> uh, yeah, forces her to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. We could beat her on the bush as much as we want. It's a little rapey. That's true. But... <laughs> That's true. I mean, the kid is 12, so 
Yeah, I agree with you, though. Maybe the one thing that doesn't age incredibly well in this movie, but... (laughs) This magic moment. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, like, right on cue as soon as the kiss happens. It's perfect. I love that. Next one up here, Green Onions. It's Booker T and the MGs. Oh, yeah. This is the little showdown scene with the Little League team, and that's when Ham and... I think his name is Phillips? Is that the lead of the... Shut your mouth, Phillips. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going back and forth, trading yeah. insults. And actually, during that entire scene, the Green Onions is actually playing in the background pretty is it faintly. Really? Yeah. I don't think I noticed that. And then, I mean, it's really subtle, really quiet. But as soon, I think it's as soon as Ham says, you play ball like a girl, it stops. The music just cuts. And then it's just pure dialogue at that point so that's really good and the last one i have here is one that you're probably ultimately going to go with it's it's my favorite but it's america the beautiful ray charles during the fourth of july game it's It's the best it's the best everything you would want in a soundtrack in one scene it's it's so good you basically said all of mine uh i would like to add i also really like when the camera shoots to their camp out and the lion sleeps tonight is playing. That is good. That, that, that is, is good. really good. Um, yeah. You said all mine. My winner is America, the beautiful too. It's I, I don't know. It, it makes you feel all, all, all warm and jittery inside. The, the fact that it's Ray Charles too. Oh, it's so <laughs> such a good song. I mean, outside of the, of the actual scene, it's just so good. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, the soundtrack is really good, and I, I love when period film, uh, period pieces use music that was made during that time. You would think that that would be a given, but that's not always the case. Um, like Martin Scorsese is great at it. A lot of his movies that take place in a certain time period, he only uses music from that period in those scenes, and this movie is great at that. It takes place in 1962 and all of the music is from the fifties or from the, or the fifties and early sixties. So it's a wonderful soundtrack. It does actually it. really bother me when they don't do that. And I know it's, it, it's kind of annoying. It's confusing in a way because you have this association you make in your head with all of these songs and also with what you're seeing visually. It's kind of annoying, but I'm, I'm glad they didn't screw it up there. Plus, I mean, that, that era of music is incredible. I know you love it, yeah, too. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you not love it? If you don't love it, you're, you're not a music person. No, you're a monster. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> Brett, let's... So, <laughs> go ahead. Let's, let's transition away here, then. We'll talk about the different characters in this movie, and ultimately, who would you want to be friends with in real life if you had to choose? It's a no-brainer. It's it's Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I, he he's the most mature of the group. He's the nicest by far. He's the best at sports, so he's actually fun to play with. He's that that sounded wrong, but um, he <laughs> he he's the one who Kid's everyone like 13, in the, dude. <laughs> yeah. More more than anything, he he's the one who everyone in the group looks up to. They all kind of aspire to be like him in a way. And he doesn't have an ego about it either. No, no ego. He's so humble. Uh, he's the leader of the group. I mean, it's, you know, Smalls is the main character too, but it's it also gives a great perspective of the way Benny sees things as well. And, I mean, 
yeah, he's again, he's the nicest one. He's the most mature one. He's the most grown up. He has the most logical perspective on things in terms of getting the ball back and just kind of what life means. After he has that dream with Babe Ruth and the epiphany, he kind of ages 10 more, 10 years into the future. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going Benny. Yeah. I mean, I take it a step further. He's a perfect kid. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's perfect. Literally perfect. Uh, so I'm going Benny too. I will have one honorable mention and that's ham. The great ham Bino funny guy. A uh, fun guy to be around. He also, he, he does have a bit of a heart. So I think he was hard on Smalls in the beginning. But as soon as Smalls kind of proved his worth, Ham did mentor him in a way, especially with the S'mores. But he, he did with the S'mores, he did. He does, he does back up Smalls a bit. So, you know, he's not just a funny, fat kid in a way. So no honorable mention for, for Hamilton Porter. I, I actually had an honorable mention too, Mr. Myrtle. Hmm. He, I mean, so, okay. Let's say you, 26 year old Adam was transported into the, the Sandlot, right? It's 1962. All the kids are there. You're in their neighborhood. Who would you rather be friends with? A 13 year old kid. That'd be kind of weird. Or the <laughs> nice old guy who used to be a baseball pro who you could talk baseball with and kind of like shoot the shit with you know, it's a no-brainer. I see. I long-term strategy though. You could be this guy's agent or something. He could hook you up. If with, it's Benny, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's upside to being friends with a 13 year old kid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably want to shoot the shit, talk baseball once a week with Mr. Myrtle. Fellas, come here once a week, talk baseball with me. It's a deal. <laughs> the, the best. The, that was really good. The best also is when he's talking about how he crowds the plate. He's <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> like pitchers hated that. <laughs> yeah, he like makes like a makes a sound. He's like used to crowd the plate. Gah, pitchers hated that. <laughs> Just like James Earl Jones, baby, by far the most famous star in this movie. <laughs> that is such a curveball. When I first <laughs> gotta watch out for the curve. When I first watched this movie, I didn't even realize it was James Earl Jones. And then maybe like fifth or sixth time, I was like, wait, what? That's, that's, what is he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> that's so random. And he's good in it too. Oh, he's, he's really in it good. For the, he's in it for that one scene. He's really good. It's fantastic. I love it. So we agree though, Benny, we'd want to be friends with Absolutely. Him. Then tell me, Adam. I know, I, <laughs> I know we're going to agree on this and I, I, who's the biggest dick in this movie? Who's the biggest it's asshole? It's Bill. It's Bill. It's Bill. It's Bill. <laughs> he fucking sucks. It's Bill. Give me your take on Bill. I, I mean, he knows he's coming into a tough situation. Smalls' dad died when he was young. And Bill has literally no intention of being a good, loving father to him. And he cares way more about his baseball, which is sound <laughs> signed by Babe Ruth, so it's pretty pretty legit. That, but, that his father gave him, special gift, understandable. Yeah. And... You know, you think there's a glimpse of when he leaves the house and he, you know, Smalls is the man of the house now. And he, you know, entrusts Smalls. But it never really warms up to him at all. And then the only reason he played catch with them in the first place is after his wife just begged him like 10 times to just play some fucking catch with the kid. But, I mean, I, I love how it's like, 
Smalls says, hey, uh, you know how you told me uh, play catch? You teach me how to play catch? And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you, do you want to do that? He's like, sure. He's like, oh, okay, dad. <laughs> like, that's it. He doesn't say like, oh, yeah, let's do it then. He just, no intention. I agree with everything you just said. And a big part of why I think Dennis Leary as Bill is the biggest dick he, he avoids playing catch with his stepson multiple times in the beginning. And as you just said, it had to take his wife, Smalls' mom, to literally beg him to be like, okay, you can stop working for now. Just go spare half an hour, direct quote, just to play catch. And he's like, oh, honey, I'm really under the gun. Really under the gun. <laughs> <laughs> really, really under the gun. I, I can't. <laughs> and it's like he, he's, finally, it's, he's finally convinced to go play. And even when they're playing, you could tell he just can't wait to get the hell out of there. As you said, he looks at his watch, <laughs> and, he, and he can't believe how bad Smalls is. Like, when Smalls rolls the ball back to him, yeah, he rolls like, his eyes. Up and hands the ball to him, he's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, come on, Bill. Have some fucking decency. No. No class. No class. Asshole. Dennis Leary is a big dick in, in a lot of his movies. Like, that's kind of his character. It's it's so. really well done. I'm, I'm glad they got some pretty decent star power for the minor roles like this because it makes it a little bit more yeah. interesting but uh hands down bill biggest asshole i had an honorary mention here oh you before did we move on i did i had an honorary mention here squints huh. he's kind of a dick at least in the beginning he insults smalls like in, like calls smalls mean names multiple times in the beginning of the movie so he calls him the L7, L7 weenie, and then my favorite one is when he goes, Kids a square, Benny! Kids a square! <laughs> and then That's like fair. in the tree and in the treehouse scene too, when Squints is telling the story of the origins of the beast, Smalls is trying to talk and Squints is like, Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> He's like being a dick to quiet. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's ass. fair. I mean, he and he does get a little bit rapey, as we mentioned. So I, I think if you put Yikes. that all together, yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, Dennis Leary is Bill for sure. I love it. All right, but let's let's do one more before we hit a quick break. The most cringeworthy scene. What do you, what do you got here? Uh, it's Smalls' first trip to the Sandlot when he makes a fool of himself. He he just, you know, he's so excited and pumped to go play with them. He leaves his house with whatever fake or fake glove he has. And he sprints to the sandlot. He's so excited to play. And his khakis. And his and his khakis and that like really long hat with the dinosaur <laughs> on it. Which I love that he's wearing at the end of the movie. When he calls the game, that's yeah. Really, yeah, that's really good. Uh, but he like is so excited. He runs into the outfield and he just stands there while they're playing. And he's watching them play and they're doing it around the horn. And he's like, wow. <laughs> And then, and then he's standing there and then they see him and I love it when they see him. He tries to act all cool. He's like, <laughs> he starts hitting his mitt. Yeah. He starts hitting his mitt and uh, yeah. And, and he, he makes a total fool of himself. He ends up running the ball back to the mound to Nunez. He falls when they try to hit, hit the ball to him and he ends up running away, like really embarrassed and sad and he cries while they're all laughing at him. In hindsight, it's it's nothing to laugh about, but I mean, it's kind of cringeworthy because he walked onto the field like it was going to be a breeze for him to make friends with these guys and play, and turns out not so easy, Smalls. 
Yeah, he is he is trying really hard, so it's sad to see. That's that's actually my winner as well. I do have one other one, uh, kind of an honorary mention. It is his mom coming into the room and basically like berating him for not having friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, Now have you made any friends? And he's like, No. She's like, What the, like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> and she's like you don't want to go to the whole summer of like playing with this erector set and she's kind of giving him crap and he's just taking it and i feel really uncomfortable it's like you could be a little bit more supportive of the kid you know he just moved it's fifth grade it's a very tough year it's summer but uh, she's kind of giving it to him so i I feel pretty bad it's a little cringy but i'm ultimately going with the everyone laughing at squints and making an ass out of himself on the sandlot yeah Small's making a fool of himself, takes the cake. But I do agree with you. That scene where his mother is bashing him, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily cringe at it, but it's like, yeah, have a little more have a little more sympathy for your son. It's yeah, hard. What it's is hard she doing? It's help. hard being a little kid. Yeah, she's not doing shit. <laughs> she's not doing anything. <laughs> having, she's having sex with Bill. That's what, she, that's what she's doing. Oh, she sucks. She might be she the biggest dick. <laughs> Underratedly, yes. Um, so, Adam, tell me, what actor would you like to see replace one of the stars in this movie if you could swap roles? This one was really difficult for me, especially because there's no true stars in the lead roles, like we mentioned. But I did find one, and it would be Stephen Anthony Lawrence replacing Patrick Renna. So he's the guy that he played Beans and even Stevens. Yeah. Or the, the guy in Kicking and Screaming. And right. hey, remember when we beat you in the championship game <laughs> from kicking and screaming? Yes. Yeah, that's that that's him, yeah. Yeah, so I I could see him playing ham. Uh he's a little bit of a goof and you know, kind of a funny looking kid <laughs> the way they dress him up sometimes. So I think you just kinda of play it off as your happy go lucky but never really take seriously friend. I think he'd uh, slide right into that role. My only my only take on that is we've seen this guy in Even Stevens. We've seen him in Kicking and Screaming. I don't even think he could pass off as an even mediocre athlete. Ooh. Like you look at you look at the guy walk and and just like him and doing his thing when he's on screen, he looks like he's so uncoordinated. That's fair, Ham. But Ham, you wouldn't really think of that either, but the the kid can rake. He could rack those balls. Oh my god! Like he's a has such a hit, has such a swing. But then he's a, he's the catcher. I mean, yeah, at least he's not that he good at no ca- slouch. He, he does he does drop the ball a couple times. There are a couple does scenes he? where I don't know why I was paying attention to this a little nitpicky scouting action going yeah, on go. here. But he did he did uh, drop the ball a couple times. And I was like, hey, he's not the best catcher. But right, well, no. he can hit the hell out of the ball. Oh yeah, I would say next to Benny, he's probably the best hitter on the team. I, I, we'll get into uh, yeah, we'll good get baseball into, players we'll get into a bit later, but but you're not wrong. Yes. So that's who you have, though? Yeah. Stephen Anthony Lawrence. Who do you got? Nice. So I had two, and the one I went with is uh, replacing Mike Vitar as Benny. I chose River Phoenix, who plays, who's really famous for playing Chris Chambers in Stand By Me. So the, so the one who plays the, the rough and rugged leader of the group in Stand By Me. Hmm. And rest in peace, River Phoenix, brother of Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, I had no um, idea. He died of a of an overdose a few months after this movie was actually made, at the age of twenty six, I believe. 
Um, but seeing him kind of reprise that role as he had in Stand By Me, where the rest of the group looks up to him. He's Mr. Cool. He's poised. He's mature. He had, I would like it if he, you know, we don't really know anything about Benny's background of the Sandlot and there's no reason to, but in Stand By Me, we know that Chris has like a terrible upbringing. His parents, you know, are not great with him. Just put that character in Benny's shoes. I think it'd be perfect. And in this, in Stand By Me, you could see he's like a good athlete too. Like there's a scene where they race and they run, he kicks everyone's ass. Like I'm all about it. Yeah. River Phoenix, baby. I think that. I think that makes sense. I mean, you got me with the Stand By Me comparison. You know, I talked about it before, but these are very yeah. similar movies in the way they make you feel. But uh, no, that's pretty good. I think the only trouble I would have is if he, you know, Benny's such a clean cut guy. Right. And so the, the only thing I know of River Phoenix is Stand By Me. So it's 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 tough for me to really put a full perspective on it. But I like it. I think that I think that could work. So that was my winner, but I had one more who that could maybe work. Uh, for replacing Tom Gurry as Smalls, I had Haley Joel Osment. So in the six, so the little kid from The Sixth Sense, and then um, if you've ever seen Secondhand Lions, Michael Caine movie, actually, um, he's <laughs> he's really good at playing that shy, insecure kid. And for and this is how Smalls is for like sixty percent of the movie. Uh, he has that kind of quiet follower esque demeanor about him in a lot of his roles. So uh, yeah, I'd go Haley Joel Osment, Joel Osment, but I'm still picking River Phoenix to replace Benny. Oh, that's really that Haley Joel Osment is good. I when I was thinking of this question at first, I was trying to imagine someone replacing Smalls, and I kept trying to get to that young care i think i was trying to get to Haley joel osmond but i didn't know it but i think that's like there was someone in the back of it. my head that was it i i think that's money i actually like that one the best nice well then i'll let you take that one because i'm going with river phoenix i'm taking it good <laughs> all right adam would this movie be better or worse with ellen degeneres in it so different with ellen in it I don't really know. I put worse, but I think she could be good. And she has the type of humor, I think, that could really work in here. It's pretty dry and stale in some ways that it's not over the top. You know, we've talked about before, like Sofia Vergara type humor, where it's like takes over the, the... the show a little bit but she doesn't have that and she's matter of fact i i think she i think it could work i just didn't find a role for her i think that was my biggest issue and you know there's not a ton of female characters in this movie so there's smalls's mom and i don't know if that's necessarily a fit there's wendy peppercorn and i don't think that's a fit either. That's not a fit. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I couldn't really find one, but I, I'm, I'm open to it. I'll say that. Okay. So I, th- I think hands down, it would be better, and she would be Smalls's mom. And I mean, we were just roasting Smalls's mom because she <laughs> is kind of, besides her being, you know, asympathetic to her son, 
when he is talking about not having friends. Besides that, she's she's super vanilla, as you've said before, and, and right. she's and her character is kind of boring. If Ellen DeGeneres was put in that role, she would like imagine that scene between the mom and Smalls where she's talking about not having friends and imagine Ellen in that scene. She would be hilarious. And I think she, she, Ellen is also such a, such a kind and warm person that I, I would hope, and I would think she would bring that kindness to the role, but also doing it in a really funny way. So cracking jokes and talking to her son about how it's, you know, it's okay that he hasn't broken out of his shell yet, but he still has time. And then she could be like, but yeah, like don't, you know, don't fucking like if you're playing baseball with them, you drop any balls, you're toast, buddy. So you know, <laughs> something like that. Like I think she'd be great. I'm, so I hmm. yeah, I mean she wouldn't be I don't think she'd be nearly as boring as Karen Allen, who plays is who plays Smalls' mom. She'd be funny and light and she'd be cracking jokes. Uh, you know, imagine her asking Bill to go play catch with <laughs> That's him. what I'm trying and, to picture is her dynamic like, with Bill. It'd be like, hey, Billy, why don't you, uh, why don't you go play? Why don't you go play with him for a little while. Maybe a Larry David in there a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just, okay. I just think she would be, she would bring a lot of, a lot of color to <laughs> the role of Smalls' mom. That's all. I think that's fair. One thing I will point out is if you know, when we'll get to the who's the worst actor or who the most annoying to work with ellen would absolutely probably for me be number one there there's really there's some interesting stories actually of ellen being extremely difficult to work with wow and <laughs> nice i've never Wilson. heard that before but she yeah that's uh, there's there's a couple rumors out there of you know her show being really difficult to be a part of it but luckily we don't have to make that call but yeah i she would she would definitely bring life to the vanilla mom of smalls so sure this would be interesting all right well you kind of segued into our next category it's bad that ellen degeneres is not actually in it so you can't use her as the answer but which actor who is in the sandlot do you think was the most annoying to work with actor or anyone involved with the film i think james earl jones I'm a big James Earl Jones guy. Love him. How could you? How do you not like him? No, yeah, I, but I feel like he probably holds himself to like the highest standard of any of the other actors and actresses in this film. Sure. And so he's probably like, no, it's not good. We got to do it again. And so he's got like one scene, and I just anticipate that they used like twenty percent of the total film on James Earl Jones, even though he's in like two minutes of the movie. So. I mean, he's just serious guy. I feel like he's uh, he's probably the most strict about his own work. He's a very harsh critic of himself. I don't know that for sure. Not at all. But I imagine it got pretty annoying. It's kind of funny. I actually didn't think about James Earl Jones for this. But now that you say it, it might make sense. And there were some notes I read that um, David Mikey Evans had noted that you know, he was making a movie, filming a movie with nine little kids, and he said they would misbehave often, and like they were, they would constantly run around and just wreak havoc. So if I'm picturing James Earl Jones, 
you know, older, well-established, very professional. You better slow down these fucking kids. If you don't contain them, I'm gone. <laughs> or just yelling at the kids. Like like, Quit or, it. <laughs> yeah. So if you want me in this movie, you better shut up and do your job <laughs> and memorize your lines. You know, I can, I can see that. I can actually see that happening. Maybe there's so, a little bit of Darth Vader looming there, and so he, he has trouble turning it off. <laughs> Smalls, I am your father. <laughs> no, you're not. It's uh, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bill. <laughs> um, I actually think I'm going to go with that over what I actually put as my answer. Um, I originally wrote Mike Vitar, who plays Benny's character. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you read it, but later in life, Mike Vitar got into got in a little trouble, and it was rough around the edges. And in October 2015, he and some friends almost killed a guy, gave him gave him liver failure and brain damage. They just beat him up on Halloween. Um, I and obviously, you know, that was 20 odd years after this movie was made. But there's got to be a reason why Mike Vitar was nearly killing people later in life. Yeah, I mean, if he beat the shit out of someone on set, that'd be pretty difficult to work with. <laughs> well, so so what I mean is like, okay, Mike Vitar was like 14 years old when they filmed this movie, right? He must have had some issues going on that forced him to later in life nearly kill someone. Maybe he had some upbringing troubles. Maybe it's something. But I picture that guy as a wild-ass kid. Okay, that's so fair. So with, with, with David Mikey Evans saying how he had trouble controlling the kids on set sometimes, I think Mike Vitar was like the leader of the pack. Being like, hey, I don't want to read these lines, you dick. <laughs> I could see actually Yeah Yeah as well being. Oh, Yeah Yeah was probably dude. so annoying. Both, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I never actually alone. noticed. I didn't notice until when I watched it the other day is that he says Yeah Yeah. All the time before every f- before like everything he says. Yeah, it's like, I never yeah, yeah. That. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, so. he's got some rage built up in him. Does uh, does Benny? So sure, that's fair. Yeah, but James Earl Jones, I'm taking your answer, sharing Absolutely. your answer with you. Yeah. Uh, Brett, you want to cut to a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll do some trivia. Let's do it. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Bike Bubbles, the best protector while locking up your bicycle. U-shaped locks and cord locks are only so strong and protect your bike from theft for only so long. With Bike Bubbles, your bicycle sits inside a 10 by 10 foot plastic bubble that also possesses an electromagnetic field that shocks intruders. The personalized settings allow the bubble to know exactly when it's you who's coming back to your bike and not some petty thief. Go to bikebubbles.com and use the hashtag Butterless, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-L-E-S-S, the name of this podcast, for your first discounted order of Bike Bubbles. Bike Bubbles, the only true protection. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, where we are talking about the Sandlot. Adam, let's get into some trivia. You ready? I am. I have three questions for you. I'll start them off. I'll start off with one here. Where did Ellswinger move to? Arizona. Oh, man, that was quick. That was one of mine, too. Okay, (laughs) nice. Yeah. One for one. All right, go ahead. All right, my turn. How does Ham like his pitches? Low and outside. Ooh, nice. Yeah, just Just the way I I like like it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Oh, I feel like this is going to be a quick one. 
a quick round of trivia. The next one you already answered. It was how many people did the beast, quote, kill, according to Squints. So it was 120, 173 guys. Yep. Somewhere in between there. Perfect. I. All right. Let's see if you get this last one. What movie was playing when Benny and the Beast burst through the movie theater during that famous chase scene? Oh, man. I have no idea. It's a super famous movie. You have no idea? No idea. It's The Wolfman. Oh. Huh. That's interesting. I would have never I would have never even like paid attention to that. Yeah. But that's good. There's, it's it's actually at like it's kind of funny they they burst through the screen of that movie during one of the more famous scenes in it too where the the guy <clears throat> so the the actor in that movie Lon Chaney Jr. it's that it's the scene where he finds out that he's like about to turn into a werewolf and so he's talking to like an old gypsy woman who has all this knowledge of werewolves and then because it cuts back from the movie to them chasing, to the movie, to them chasing. And then when they actually burst through the scene is when he's turning into the wolf. Okay. So it's, it's actually really cool. Huh. So. Okay. So I, I missed that one. I think I'm one for two right now. The last one I have. How did Timmy and Tommy make their fortune? Um, t- well, first they became an architecture and a contractor. Yep. And then they... Uh, Got into mini malls. Yes, mini malls. Nice. Well done. Uh, I have one. I have one side one for you. I didn't write this down, but I I wanted to ask it. Uh, what did Yaya become a an invest? Maybe not an investor in, but like he became part of this industry. Oh no! Shoot. Um. I don't know. Bungee jumping. Oh, no. Oh, that one hurts. <laughs> that one really hurts. God damn. Okay. Damn. All right. Let's 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 move on here, Brett. We've got a couple what-if scenarios coming up here. If you were to take one scene and make it into a musical, what would it be? Um. So I... I don't really have an exact single scene where I'd do this. I have a few segments in a row where I would make this. So right from after Smalls' mom gives him the pep talk in his room about making friends, right up until Smalls catches the ball for the first time and gains the respect of the guys. So it'll start off with his mom singing to him about he needs to make friends. Scotty, it saddens me that you are all alone. Go scrape your knees. Go climb some fence. Go get into trouble for crying out loud. <laughs> but not too and much so, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, so there's that whole bit. And then it goes into like, you know, they're all changing clothes and changing designs really quickly on stage. And then he's at the baseball field and they're playing. And then Smalls is like, I want to fit in. I really, really do. And then Benny comes up and he's like, uh, you know, just stick your glove out in the air. I will do the rest, the rest, the rest. <laughs> and then he catches the ball and it's and, and, and it's great. Finally, it ends in a dramatic fashion where he catches the ball. 
He achieves the goal of making his friends and all of the rest of the guys on the field come in and they pick him up on their shoulders and carry him off the stage. Like he's like, he's Rudy. Uh, and, and then he like belts out the final notes. Like I did it. <laughs> and yeah, I love it. I wonder, if, yep. I wonder about a actual, I'll get to mine in a sec, but just like an actual musical Sandlot. I wonder if it would be good. Is there like any way that that could be good? Probably. Yeah. I'll bet, I'll bet it could be solid. With Dennis Leary? Not with Dennis Leary. Not with Dennis Leary. <laughs> no. Um, okay, I'll, I'll get your, into mine here. What's your musical scene, Adam? Yeah. So mine's kind of like a West Side Story type of deal. So it's the standoff with the Little League team. That's my like Sharks-Jets action going on here. Sure. And so it takes turn and instead of just ham and phillips trading insults back and forth it's like everyone just going back scab eater fart smeller butt sniffer <laughs> and it just goes you back. play ball like a girl well so that's how it so then it's like you play ball like a girl and then it just is silence for like a second and like then just that. like big swashbuckling fight breaks out and it just goes like that for a time until you hear like sirens in the background and everyone scrams and then they run off stage. It's pretty good. I like that. That that does have a very West Side Story feel <laughs> to it. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I was going for. Just a complete yeah. remake, but with kids playing baseball. I love it. Perfect. So tell me, Adam, if you could place the Sandlot in the eyes of another protagonist, so instead of Smalls, who would it be, and what would the plot be like? Mine's Mister Myrtle. Minus two. <laughs> I knew it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so this will be interesting. All right. He's had a wild life. He was once one of the best players of his time, potentially on the path to being one of the greatest players of all time, uh, along with Babe Ruth. But then his career suddenly ended, and he really doesn't have anyone except his dog, who Hercules essentially reminds him of his past. And so, you know, Mr. Myrtle, he lives right next to the Sandlot. He lives close enough to hear the sound of the ball off the bat, which he'll always enjoy. But one day he actually receives the greatest life, sorry, the greatest gift life could ever give him. Just two kids who share the same enthusiasm for baseball show up at his door. And they ultimately agree to do what he really actually wants most, just to sit down and have a conversation about baseball with him every now and then. And so he's, his life is fulfilled again. Fuck. <laughs> is that the mine same is, thing? Mine is so similar. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you mine. Mr. Myrtle, he was one hell of a baseball player in the 1930s and was arguably a better hitter than Babe Ruth. He was the young gun who was on the rise towards the end of Babe Ruth's career, and he was on pace to break every record. Until a high fastball to the head damaged his optic nerve, causing him to go blind. He was then forced to retire at a young age and fell into a deep sadness because he committed his life to baseball and didn't really know much else. So he moved to San Fernando Valley and got a job at a junkyard. He found a pup stranded on the side of the road one day and took him in. Fast forward to the early 60s. Mr. Myrtle is in his early 50s now. 
and not only runs the successful junkyard, but is a baseball collector. He's still sad, though, despite his success with the junkyard, and he has all of his baseball memorabilia. He's sad because he's very lonely and doesn't have any companionship besides Hercules, who's now more than 10 years old and might be nearing the end of his life in the next few years. Mr. Myrtle wants to find more meaning at this stage in his life, but he can't. That is until, until two kids, Smalls and Benny, knock at his door telling him they've brought his dog back and they've had trouble with getting their Babe Ruth autographed baseball back. He finds a liking in them and a friendship emerges, giving Mr. Myrtle some purpose. It's the same thing. Fuck, the same exact thing. <laughs> Damn it! Is that the first time we've ever had that happen? I think so. We've had some close ones before, but that was... That was- identical that was dead on bulls accurate <laughs> damn i'm i'm uh embarrassed and impressed of the similarity between our stories there me too but hey got it tip my cap to you yeah seriously good yeah, was, good, good thinking that was well done all right Brett, let's... so so we're in agreement <laughs> clearly yeah, absolutely let's let's move on to something completely different but it has to do with bertram at the end of the movie, the narration <laughs> mentions that he got really into the 60s and no one ever saw him again. What do you think really happened to him? Uh, yeah, I, I think he was, you know, you know how you have those friends when you're really young and then they kind of span off and get involved with other groups of friends as you get older and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Bertram was the first of the group. As they approached their teen years, he got really into music and the arts, and he was the first one who was like, yeah, I don't like sports. I don't know why I was playing baseball for all those years. And he got really into drugs. He went to Woodstock. He was he was one of those guys. Um, <laughs> hitchhiked around the country, and uh, he either overdosed or is now a car salesman. <clears throat> I love that. I think we were both had some element of Jenny from Forrest Gump in our head. <laughs> a little bit. When, little we, bit. when we took this one. Um, that's good. I, I like that he ends up as either dead or a car salesman. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not bashing anything about car salesmen. I just think Bertram, the type of guy he was, um, I just see that's where he ends up. It's not know. baseball related at all. Yeah. Right. So uh it's it's not as close as our mr myrtle one but there are some similarities uh basically what i have is he took a ton of lsd was tripping balls yeah and he ended up meeting a druggy girl had a kid and now his his wife keeps him pretty tied down (laughs) (laughs) does he still live in san fernando valley i nobody really knows (laughs) nobody ever saw him again (laughs) Uh, no, he, he moved away. He got around. He he hitchhiked, as you as you said. But yeah, his girlfriend or his wife doesn't really let him get out much. I mean, the the drugs thing is kind of a given with him. He was the one who brought the chewing tobacco to the amusement park. You right. Know? He was the one who put him on the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense that he would get really into the sixties and get into the whole, you know, peace, love, not war shtick of the sixties and. Uh, they really dive right in. No it's it's right up his alley. He, he went from zero to 100. Boom, LSD. Right. So Bertram had some good moments on the field, 
but I don't think he'd make the best real life baseball player out of all those guys. Who do you think besides Benny would make the best player out of all of them? So actually there's really only two other players who hit home runs in, in the course of the movie. And that's ham and smalls. Smalls's journey actually is quite impressive. The kid goes from not being able to catch a ball to smacking one dead center. It's nuts. But I'm going to go Ham, and I do have an honorable mention I'll get to, but Ham, just a designated hitter. He's got to be American League. I don't think he'd be able to hold up, especially his knees catching. I mean, he's got a lot of weight he's putting on those. Oh, God, plenty. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, I don't see that lasting long, but we mentioned it before. The kid can rake. He's got a hell of a bat. So I'm going ham on this one. Uh, maybe you need a pinch runner. And that's where you throw Benny the Jet in. The The honorable mention is DeNunez. Because he, he did actually play in AAA. AAA, yeah. So he, he never made it to the bigs. But obviously he was good enough to be up there. So I'm going ham. But honorable mention, DeNunez. Man, maybe these questions were too easy. Because I had, once again, same ones. Ham and DeNunez. <laughs> For the exact reasons that you just said, oh, man. Ham is a Ham was a Ham was a force to be reckoned with with the bat in his hand, and was a decent catcher. And De Nunez was, I mean, you're pretty damn good if you can at least make it the Triple A ball. I do really like De Nunez's warm up. His or his wind up is kind of it's like Cy it's like, Young, like yeah. that's how they used to throw like way back when. So it's got that old school feel to him, which. I'm sure they made him change when he got to AAA. Maybe that's why he didn't get any further. They made him change yeah, his maybe. mechanics. Do you know what he does it does now? Or after like after his AAA baseball thing, what his end of the story is? No. He coaches his son's God little league team. Damn it. It's <laughs> called what? What what is his team called? Um Oh shoot. It's something like Great Bambinos, but it's like No, it's What's his 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 famous pitch? He has like a certain pitch, that's like his famous pitch, and that's the name of his son's team. Come on, Adam! Come on! God, what is his spitball? Maybe I don't know. What is the it? heaters? Oh no! Come on! <laughs> come on, Adam! I'm come getting on. wrecked out here. You really are. I, I just gotta watch that final scene again. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great scene. Damn. Okay, uh, Brett. So yeah, perfect. <laughs> I, I know that you're going to love this one. I, yes. But I want you to take Sorry. one play from the Sandlot Diamond and call it like your boy Joe Buckwood. What do you got? Are you ready for this? Here we go. I'm, I'm going to laugh, so I, <laughs> I, might, I might just look away when you're doing this. I'm covering your face on the screen while I do this because I can't look at you. And don't diss my Joe Buck impersonation, please. It's probably horrible. I've never even attempted it. Before, so. so here we go. Welcome back to the Sandlot. I'm Joe Buck alongside my partner, John Spoltz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to get it. Let me get it. Welcome back to the Sandlot. I'm Joe Buck alongside my partner, John Smoltz. We are witnessing a daily batting practice from the squad, and here comes Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Benny is having nothing short of a spectacular season, John, battling, batting 857 and is currently on a 146-game hitting streak. I don't know about you, John, 
but I'm excited to see what the kid will do today. Here's De Nunez with the windup and the pitch. And clocked into left center. It is go. Wait, John. I think something's happened on the field. I can't tell what. Wait. Yes, we're getting a signal from the third base umpire. My Lord. Benny the Jet Rodriguez has busted the guts out of the baseball. The stuffing of the ball and the cover are lying on separate sides of the diamond. John, this is the most incredible display of hitting I have ever seen in my days of broadcasting. Yes. There it is. I was good. I think your uh, impersonation started off pretty strong. It got weaker as it, it went on. Weaker. It got weaker. <laughs> but when you started off alongside his partner, John Smoltz, <laughs> damn near lost it. <laughs> got to include Johnny. But I love how dramatic he is about it, too. That was, that was good. You got the little nuances of is and and yep. eh. yeah, nice. I should I should have taken a really long pause. Yes, to to enjoy the. I I actually the have that in my in my buck here. Oh please go! I don't want to distract you anymore. Do it. Need a sip of water. <clears throat> Small sends one to deep center, back at the wall. <laughs> this ball is gone. Scotty Smalls has hit his first home run of his career. And then there's silence. <laughs> and then it's uh, the only question, Smoltzy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> calls him Smoltzy. Hold on. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> the only question, Smoltzy, you have to wonder who's going to get the ball. I mean, we've seen what the beast can do and I really don't think that's going to be an easy task, let alone for a guy in PF Flyers. That's it. <laughs> Smoltzy. <laughs> he actually calls him Smoltzy? I, I want. I think he does. But I think the, the the thing that's great about Buck is that he he always has these like hot takes and questions, but he never frames it as if he's the one asking him. He's just like. A smoltzy, you have to wonder, you know, people are going to be asking, you know, who's going to get the ball? And he's just like, he never directly calls anyone out. He's just like. That's really smart, though. Yeah. 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 It kind of takes him out of the, the limelight a little bit there. But, oh, man, that was fun. I'm I'm very happy that over the past year or so, maybe, you have started to migrate over into the Joe Buck is awesome side. Yeah, I used to not like him at all. His baseball, though, is really good. I, I, I don't know if I'll come around for the football, but his baseball, is he's got some good stuff. I mean, there's a reason why he does the World Series every year. Yeah. There's a reason for it. That's fair. So, yeah. That was great, Adam. That was really fun. Uh, so keeping the impressions going, another this has become a favorite of ours. If Morgan Freeman narrated part of the, part of the Sandlot, what would he say? <clears throat> oh man i think i gotta cover your face again i'll, I'll have to cover yours okay time. now benny knew what he was going up against the beast had taken care of just about anyone that went into that yard but i think it was the dream he had with the great bambino or at least that's what i like to think it was that gave benny the courage to hop over the fence and grab the ball no, Benny hadn't saved anyone from drowning, but he gave us all something that summer, 
that we'll never forget. A legend. Ooh. Chills. That's good. Yeah. Still still working on the impersonation. Got to we'll, we'll Okay, like a more I watched a YouTube video a couple days ago of like how to do a Morgan Freeman impersonation and the guy was like the guy was, was amazing. And I think it was someone you sent to me over Twitter before. But he was like it took me 4 years Jesus. to get this down of, of, of like intense practicing. So of course ours are going to suck. 4 years that's a, I don't know if I got that kind of time, but hopefully it's good before then. Yeah. So I took since this movie has terrific narration in it, I actually took word for word some of the narration, and nice. I'm just plugging Morgan Freeman into it instead of Smalls as an adult. So here's mine. On the 4th of July, the whole sky would brighten up with fireworks, giving us just enough light for a game. We played our best then because, I guess, we all felt like the big leaguers. Under the lights of some great stadium. Benny felt like that all the time. We all knew he was going to go on to bigger and better games. Because every time we stopped to watch the sky on those nights like regular kids, he was there to call us back. You see, for us, baseball was just a game. But for Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, baseball was life nice it does i mean he's he's so good at the narration he's amazing he's the best he's the best god this movie would be so different if he was narrating it (laughs) (laughs) oh god i i can't even i honestly can't even picture it so adam we are all tired from impersonations let's take a quick break grab a sip of water to clear our throats hear a word from our sponsor and let's get back into it Today's episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by the Open Face Trash Can. We all know the worst part about throwing away our garbage, having to pick up the lid. If you've never understood why trash cans have a lid, you're not alone. Are you going to lift the lid up with your fingers and risk getting yesterday's mustard on your hands? Yuck. Or how about using the foot latch to pop open the lid? That rarely works. So switch to the Open Face Trash Can. You'll get all of the benefits of a trash can with none of the hassle. And that's not all. The Open Face Trash Can's patented design allows for constant airflow, so you never have to worry about having a smelly trash can. The cage-free stench is now free to roam around the house. Talk about a two-for-one. So next time you throw away your popcorn because there's too much butter on it, try using an Open Face Trash Can. Garbage made simple. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, where we are talking about the Sandlot. Let's get right into some plot what-ifs. Adam, give me one of your scenarios for this movie. The one I have is, what if Bill never went on his business trip? So, (laughs) (laughs) would Smalls have stolen the ball? Or would have he done maybe something else to get a different ball? I guess the only reason really had the opportunity was Bill was away. And he wasn't in his lovely favorite trophy room there it's a really good question one million percent yes that he only steals the ball because bill is gone there's no way that even if bill is just at work but he's going to be home later that night there's no 
fucking way that Samal steals that ball. You think he's just petrified of Bill? Well, yeah, one, he's terrified of Bill, but two, he feels empowered that Bill is gone for a little while. Um, he is the man of no, the house. He's the man of the house. He feels, he feels he has the authority to take the Babe Ruth signed ball. But um, no, if, if, if he doesn't steal the ball, I don't think Smalls even says anything. I think either someone else gets a ball or they just just don't play for the rest of the day and go home and have to buy another ball on another day. You don't think he big dicks his way over to Bill and says, Bill, I'm taking your fucking ball. <laughs> I'm playing a game. <laughs> you big dicks his way. No, Smalls is too big of a, of a wimp. Yeah. He's too big of a puss ball. There's puss no licker. <laughs> I can't believe they oh, use that too as one of the insults. They didn't say puss licker. They absolutely do. <laughs> no, they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. It's one of the first insults that that. It I, is not. It is absolutely not. I, I can't puss wait. Puss licker. I can't wait for you to. I think they. <laughs> to <no>. listen. <laughs> I think they do. They do butt liquor. They do no. They do puss liquor. They go butt sniffer, fart smeller. Um, and there's a, no there's a P- puss liquor. I'm, I'm almost been, it's either no puss way. or puss, but yeah, it's got to be puss liquor. I don't know, man. I can't wait for well, you to listen to it after the show. We'll we'll fact check that later. But okay. if it is puss liquor, little did they know that that would slowly turn into a, a good thing instead right. of a, instead <laughs> of a diss. Oh my god! Uh, so what were we even ta- oh, we were talking about? Small stealing the ball. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's a wimp. That's yeah. Right. Okay. So no, I, I no, I think if he if he doesn't, I think if Bill is there, Small doesn't steal the ball. He doesn't do anything. And someone else just has to buy another ball. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I'm in agreement there. He he can't pull the trigger, but but he no, wants to. No way. But he can't. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a big dick his <laughs> way up the bill. That was great. Uh, my plot if is, uh, what if Smalls' mom notices that the ball that Benny signed as Babe Ruth is actually the fake? Because, you know, there's the scene when Smalls is actually putting it on the trophy stand. That's yep. when his mom comes in. She's like, do you know anything about that ball? Blah, 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 blah. And she, like, walks up to the ball. What if she's like, wait a minute, Scotty, this is not your dad's ball. What is this shit? How does she react? This might be a hot take, but I think she kind of digs it. <laughs> I think she's like, way to get into trouble, kid. <laughs> you know? I mean, she's kind of <laughs> pushing him to you know, break the rules a little bit. And, you know, I like to think she knows that Bill's a complete dick and doesn't help out his son at all. And so he's, he's kind of taking some initiative. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough for her when Bill comes home and they'll have to find a solution. But I think she, I think she ultimately would help try to write over a new ball with, with a, a new, a new fake, autograph i like your thinking and it does make sense because she encouraged her son to get into some trouble but that ball is her husband's most prized possession in this world shouldn't the most prized possession be his kid though 
It should be. Well, guess what? Smalls ain't his kid, so that's why he doesn't get. That's why he don't give a fuck about that boy. Fair point. But in any other case, if it was something less serious, I think I agree with you. I think she would kind of help him cover it up. But it's too too important to to Bill this ball. So I think she marches him down to Mister Myrtle's house and asks for the ball back in the backyard. And guess what? They get the ball back, and it saves them all a lot of trouble. So in the end, it might actually work out that his mom would be a hard ass about it. That's fair. I do wonder why they didn't just, none of the kids asked their parents for a ball. And it was only like 98 cents, <laughs> yeah. which is like, I know 1962, you know, currency was, was different back then and like, you know, compared to times now. But I don't think 98 cents in 1962 was... A lot of money. No, it's a few bucks. Then. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Okay, Brett, if you could redo the movie in a different genre, what genre would you choose and describe the plot? Two words. Crime drama. So just hear me out on this one. Bill is actually a secret agent who <laughs> relocates his new family to San Fernando Valley so he can investigate Mr. Myrtle. Whoa. who is suspected to be selling faulty baseball baseball memorabilia for millions of dollars. And it just so happens that Smalls and his new buddies play baseball in Mr. Myrtle's backyard. And when Bill finds out about this, he uses Smalls as the bait to get close to Mr. Myrtle. Hmm. Interesting. So, Detective Bill here. <laughs> Detective Bill. Comes and Smalls, and doesn't, Smalls doesn't know early on that he's an agent. He, he knows towards like the middle end when Bill approaches him. He's like, Scotty, I need you to do this for me. I need you to get close to him. Does he wear a wire? Start... <laughs> yeah, he probably does wear a wire. Yeah. Uh, so, does he get him in the end? Hmm. Yeah, they get him. Nice. Some it's a, it's a, yeah, it's it's a straightforward. There's there's no twists and turns in the okay. sandlot. It's it's a straightforward plot. That's it's bold to use his son as the bait, but I wouldn't put yeah, it past not, it's, yeah, it's not his it's not his son, so he okay, doesn't give well, a fuck about it's him. Fucking stepson. It's his stepson. <laughs> nice fucking Mister Myrtle. You knew something was off about that guy. I know he's too perfect. I love it. Okay, mine's mine's way different. Mine is a rom com. And nice. it's Squince's quest to get a girl that's way out of his league. And that's Wendy Peppercorn. So Squince would invite her to the game that they play against the Little League team, their rivals. And he would just hope to have just be the hero of the game <clears throat> and win her over that way and impress her. But he has a terrible game. Absolutely puts up a stinker. And she's not impressed at all. He keeps waving at her anytime she's on the on the, you know, on the lifeguard chair. Keeps trying to track her down, and none of it is working. But finally, he does the unthinkable and actually fakes drowning. And she thinks it's pretty foolish at first, but then she you know starts to fall for him afterwards. And at the end of the movie, he finally gets his girl and squints and peppercorn, similar to. How it actually does unfold. They have nine kids. 
They bought Vincent's yeah. drugstore. Yeah, they bought Vincent, and they they live happily after ever after. So, so I like that. My my one question is, where do the rest of the Sandlot players come into play here? What's their role in this? Yeah, they're more just side characters. Uh, they try to help him out, be his like wingman, a couple times throughout there. So like Benny or Yaya. Even Smalls would try talking to Big Wendy Peppercorn. The... Oh, Smalls would fuck it up so <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, he would be like, uh, no, he's, he's, he's really good. He's really good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they would just try to be his wingman all the time. And it wouldn't really work out until uh, Squints realizes he needs to take things into his own hands and fake drowning. So it's after that where she's kind of like, Man, that was a ballsy move by him. Yeah, Kit's kind of cute, you know? Yeah. (laughs) How old do we think she is? She's older than him for sure. Yeah. She's probably like, what were you going to say? I was going to say like 19. Hmm. I was going to say like 16. I think that would make sense, but she doesn't look 16. She looks older. Yeah. But she's she's in that like high school... You know, this is her like summer job type yeah. of thing. You gotta you gotta remember girls develop faster than, than boys do with puberty. I do so. tend to forget that, Brett, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh I know I like that. That's really good. So I'm really excited for this next category, Adam. As we were talking about earlier, we love baseball movies. Where does the Sandlot rank for you on the Pantheon, the Hall of Fame of sports movies? Instantly, when I saw this, I thought top three. And as I kind of go through the movies, it's number one. It it really is. It's the only movie where, again, it's got that nostalgia factor to it. It's realistic pretty much the whole way. It's so relatable. It's a feel-good story. And actually, there's a lot of baseball in it. There's some movies that might be about baseball, but there's not actually a lot of scenes that you see them playing the sport and that goes for any sports movie really it just may be an element of the movie but this has a ton of baseball in it you can tell that there is an appreciation for the sport from the crew and the cast so i mean put all those things together it's it's my absolute favorite i agree with you i think it is the best and i i tried to make a list here to see if anything can compete i had the sandlot major league Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, The Natural, A League of Their Own, For the Love of the Game, Rookie of the Year, Bad News Bears, 61, Moneyball, and Benchwarmer. Benchwarmers, excuse me. Sandlot wins. It's as, as you were just saying, it's the only one that brings nostalgia, great action baseball scenes into one. Yeah, I mean, the camera work too is phenomenal here. The camera work's great. I mean, you could compare Rookie of the Year and Bad News Bears in terms of, you know, young kids playing, and I love that. That's great. So those have the nostalgia factor, but I, I don't think the baseball scenes are nearly as good in those as, as they are in the Sandlot. Obviously, in Rookie of the Year, you have, you know, there's like that whole sequence where he's just striking out all these famous players, and he like strikes out Barry Bonds in it, which is cool, but right. it's like, it's not realistic. It when they're you? playing in the Sandlot. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> in, the, in the Sandlot, though, the way they play seems very realistic. Besides the cover being smacked off the ball. That's kind of outlandish. But right. it, 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 has, it has it all. It has the combination of, of the great players. They're, you know, 
per their respective positions. It has the nostalgia factor. It has the action sequences. It's it's number one. It's it, when I watch it, I I just I feel different than when I'm watching the rest of these. I I think I will add one other thing too, and it lumps in with the nostalgia that you're talking about. But really, anyone could watch this movie, and you don't need to be even the slightest bit of a baseball fan. And there are some Not movies uh, we we've talked about the replacements before. You you kind of need to like football, at least yeah. to some extent, to appreciate that movie. This. Not not at all. I mean, whether you're a huge baseball fan, it certainly does its part and, you know, does the sport justice. But even if you're not a baseball fan, you, you still really enjoy it. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point. And a lot of the movies that I just mentioned earlier, they talk about, you know, the the kinks and the ins and outs of baseball a little bit more. And whereas the Sandlot is just about what every person has done at least one time in their life just go outside and play catch yeah or just or just or just hit around a ball they're throwing around a ball even if you're not into sports you have done that at one point in your life it's really for the broadest audience i think that that we could ever think of so yeah clear number one (laughs) agreed should we get into some mount rushmore's yeah let's do it brett any actors or actresses or directors make the cut for you Yes. So first and foremost, for every damn kid in this movie, it is not only on their Mount Rushmore, but it's the highlight of their career. Careers. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, also for David Mikey Evans, the writer and director, as we said, he had a handful of other works, but the Sandlot is what really got him on the map and made him famous. It's the defining movie of his career. So I'll say yes. Um, Karen Allen, who plays Small's mom, this is kind of funny actually. Her first movie ever was Animal House. Yep, and she plays Boone's girlfriend. Um, I, when I when I saw that, I because I had no idea, and then I was looking up, and I'm like, oh holy shit, she was in Animal she, House. That makes no sense. Her, <laughs> her face is super familiar. She's got one of those faces. You look at her, and you're like, where have I seen her before? Like, mm-hmm. what else was she in? So she's funny in Animal House, and then obviously Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, that's kind of what what put her on the map. Indiana Jones. Uh, and then I know she was really. Uh, there was a movie Scrooge with Bill Murray. I never saw it. No, me neither. But I I think she was good in that. But next to Animal House and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and maybe Scrooge, I would put the Sandlot up there, <clears throat> in terms of in terms of her Mount Rushmore pieces. And then one more I considered was Dennis Leary because he's really known for his, I think it was on FX, the show rescue me where he's a, he's a, he's a fireman. But I mean, in terms of, of films, this was only like his third movie too. Um, he's, he's, he's really good in it. He's really funny. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he's really funny in demolition man with Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone. And then he did voiceovers for ice age. And then that movie small soldiers, which was really funny where the toys are like attacking people. Um, isn't he in your favorite movie draft day? You know, I'm, I'm surprised it took you a while to get to that because that's probably his best role, but yeah, he is. Is it really? <laughs> I don't know. I will, I've never seen, I've never seen it. So I don't know. He's, you gotta watch it. He is the, uh, head coach, which of the Browns. Yeah. And he actually doesn't have a ton of screen time. Cause it's more about Kevin Costner as, as GM, but 
yes, he is in draft day, and and he's he's wonderful in that. Perfect. So, so you he, go he, ahead with your Mount Rushmore. Is he on it for you? Yeah, he is. Dennis Leary. Uh, it makes it with the Sandlot. Draft day is the only other mention there. You mentioned all of the 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 children in the movie. Obviously, it's a yes. David Mikey Evans, yes. And the only other one I considered was James Earl Jones. Uh, he's just such a good actor, really. I mean, I think you you had to consider him here. But when you look at the rest of his with the rest of his work, and even really can you know come close to putting this on his Mount Rushmore. But I just wanted to call him out because that scene with him is phenomenal. Yeah, I I agree. He's great. But with him, you got to talk about Star Wars, and then you got to talk about the Lion King, and then you got to talk about he's great in Field of Dreams too. But he's got he's been acting for like five decades, so oh, it's insane. It, it's hard it's hard to it's hard to slide the Sandlot in there, and especially because he's only in it for one scene. But he is quite good in it. If you go to his IMDb, it's unbelievable. It doesn't end. I, 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 <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's he's like the he's like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of acting. <laughs> That's career, a great way to put his it. His career just goes for so long. And he's really good the whole time. And it's like, when is he going to stop? <laughs> yeah. This is Tom Brady, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. TB12, baby. TB12. All right, Adam, final question here. We always end on this one. What's the most memorable thing about the Sandlot? I think this has been the theme of what we've been talking about for the last hour or so. But it's really just a couple kids playing baseball. And... They're really enjoying the little things. I think you mentioned this before, but we get stressed out and distracted by the dumbest shit in our lives. (laughs) That's really not important. And this movie really highlights the true things that we really need and the kind of the simple pleasures that we can appreciate. And so wrapping all of that up in a nostalgic form that makes everyone feel good, no matter the audience I think it's super powerful to take that with with you no matter who's the viewer so uh that's that's far and away my biggest takeaway here i i completely agree with everything you just said it's it's one of the most nostalgic movies i've ever seen and i know i've said it a few times in this podcast but next to next to stand by me the sandlot and stand by me are probably those two movies that give me the chills the most the type of chills that when i watch it it makes me it makes me sad and happy at the same time. It's like happy that I'm watching it and it's such a, it, it's such a feel good movie and it makes you remember uh, an easier time, but that's also why it's sad too. And it just makes you feel really warm inside. The, the nostalgia is just through the roof and, and in combination with the music and the kids just being goofy the whole time, just the way this movie makes you feel when you watch it is why we are doing this podcast right now is why it has it still holds up to this day and why it's so good i could watch it over and over again and honestly never get sick of it me neither me neither so adam i'm gonna go watch the sandlot now um (laughs) i'm with you um this was great once again everybody thank you again for listening next time on butterless popcorn take care